Uh, great to see you this morning. Uh, I know you've already been welcomed, but let me just do it as well. Great to see you. Uh, did you acknowledge Edgar? Edgar, it's great to have you back. we for a couple of months over Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Christmas and all that. Um, <coughs> the thing about singing that last song, I, I Surrender All. It, it, for me, it's one of those songs that you realize, you realize halfway through that song, am I, have I been singing this morning because the words are on the screen and because everybody else is? Or because I mean what I'm singing? Uh, Phil Emerson, real good friend, mentor of mine at Emmanuel. He, uh, he always says this, that Christians don't tell lies, they sing lies. And uh, and that's one of those songs that just uh, I sometimes am really challenged by. Um, have I sang along this morning because everybody else is, or actually for that song in particular, it ends up realizing what I'm singing. It becomes a bit of a wrestle. Because for me, if you, and if you're willing to be honest with me this morning, there's still some things that we struggle to surrender. There's still some things that we really like. We really want to hold on to, and uh, and so I'm I'm always challenged by actually those moments whenever it feels like the Lord is, what are you singing? What is it you're singing? What are you telling me here? Do you are you are you serious? Do you mean this? So if you mean this, this is this is pretty huge. This is pretty significant. If you mean what you're singing, <coughs> anyway, we are. Uh, we're back into looking at this word, behold. Um, we're going to go to Isaiah 43 today. But just before I do that, I just want to, I just want to go back and acknowledge what we were talking about last week. <coughs> Excuse me. We're talking about fasting, and uh, maybe there's some of you in the room who prefer that I just don't recap like last week, please. Move on, move on quick. Um, I'm hoping that if you, if you felt like this week you just couldn't do it, you couldn't carve out the time, the space, the energy to fast, I don't want you to feel condemned this morning. I don't want you to feel guilty. But I, I, I was aware this morning that I don't want, because what I, we so often do, what I can so often do is we get to the start of a year or we get to a certain series or a certain topic and we almost, it's like we tip our hat to fasting. Okay, I see that it's there, I'll acknowledge it and we'll pick up on the the next thing next week. And, uh, and so I, I want to make a point of not doing that. I'm pretty confident. I know sometimes we can say things and and. and not follow up with them, which is sometimes a struggle for me, which is why I'm trying to establish rhythms in my life. But I think fasting is a place that over and over this 2017, we're going to keep coming back to it. I'm convinced that something significant is going to take place in the lives of individuals in here and the lives of us corporately when we begin to establish this rhythm of fasting. And so I don't want it just to be a case of fasted last week, I hope you were blessed, challenged, stretched, 
in however way fasting looked for you this week. But now we're going on to a different thing. Now we're going on to a new thing. Uh, and I, I fear that. I just I don't want. I want to make sure. I want to make sure that for my own heart, for my own life. Because the whole thing about this week is that, and we talked about it. We want. We want to be a people. The goal, the reason why the Holy Spirit was sent, that He would conform us into the image of Jesus, that we would look increasingly like King Jesus. It's possible. Wouldn't have told us if it wasn't possible. He, he, he has made it possible that we can look more and more like Him. That as we behold His glory, we will be transformed from one degree of glory to another as we become more like Him. That's the goal for us to look like Jesus. And if, and you know what, actually. The, the world needs us to look more like Jesus. The world is crying out for people who will look more like Jesus, for the church that will be the hands and the feet and the eyes and the ears of Jesus in, in, the wor- in, in our world. Broken, lost humanity needs a church and a people that look like Jesus. And so if we're going to look more and more like Jesus, we need to see and find, identify the thing or things that control us. An interesting, an interesting phrase I've seen. I can't remember where I, where I picked it up. But the whole thing around fasting is to dethrone the dictator within. There's a little dictator in all of us that wants its own way. That wants to demand when you do it, how you do it. Whether you like it or not, you're going to do, do this and you're going to do it then and you're going to do it now. So fasting, we want to we keep on dethroning the dictator within we want to make this a priority. We want to see and acknowledge Jesus, especially in Matthew 6 and Matthew 9. The other gospel writers pick it up. This was a significant part of our Christian devotion. Giving, praying, and fasting. Three, three huge parts of Christian devotion. And for me, I want, to, I want to keep on going after this this year over these next months, um, because I realized that uh, looking back on periods of my life where I've tried to fast, all I've really done is starved myself. I've took 24 hours and just haven't eaten. My days look the same. Everything else I've gone about in the same way. I just starved myself for some weird form of dieting that just becomes, you do lose a bit of a weight. What about, I'll do what Jesus said about fasting. What about that? It's awful. And uh, But I just realized that there actually is an intense... It's an intense spiritual activity. You're denying normal functions, normal desires for the sake of intense spiritual activity. And so we want to keep acknowledging that. And then finally, just, to, just to, around some of the stuff on fasting, which I'd love to further challenge you with, based on the challenge of Isaiah 58. Forgive me, David, when you were talking, I sent that WhatsApp. So if you've seen people looking at their phones, it's my fault. Um, so that is, for if all the people that aren't on the WhatsApp, you want to be on it, let us know. We can add you to that. If not, I can send you the link to the film that we watched around Isaiah 58 and what true fasting looks like. And so the huge challenge for me, I suppose, this week more than anything has been, what am I going to do with the money that I would have spent? I don't want to just be for the sake of making my bank account look a bit more healthier because I haven't had any coffee today or haven't had any lunch or dinner. And so I'm encouraging you as we think of a true fast and it's to, it's to, to feed the hungry, to give shelter to the homeless, 
to look after the needs of the poor. That's what the Father is saying true fasting looks like. So I'm encouraging you, even as you, as you continue to try and establish this as a rhythm in your life, that maybe some of the few pounds that you will save from not eating or drinking or whatever it is, that you would put it towards loosen captives, untie the cords around those that are in desperate need. I want us to see, as we look at Isaiah 43 today, that I believe, I believe that we can almost link fasting to what we want to talk about this morning. Because I think fasting prepares us. I think fasting sets us up for the new thing. That's what I want to look at in Isaiah 43. Let me read from, let me read from verse 43, or from verse 16, sorry. Isaiah 43, verse 16. Let me read some of these verses. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses and the army and reinforcements together. And they lay lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Here's our place today. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Behold, calling attention to something that requires action to be taken. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself, that I may proclaim my pra- that they may, may proclaim my praise. Let me just finish the, this chapter, if it, that's okay. Verse 22. Yet you have not called upon me, O Jacob, You have not wearied yourselves for me, O Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with grain offerings, nor wearied you with demands for incense. You have not bought any fragrant calamus for me, or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins, and wearied me with your offenses. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and remembers your sins no more. Review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. State the case for your innocence. Your first father's sin, your spokesman, rebelled against me. So I'll disgrace the dignitaries of your temple. I will consign Jacob to destruction and Israel to scorn. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. I'm aware that it's an incredibly popular portion of Scripture. Uh, at the start of a new year. Um, but I want, us to, I want us to look at it. I want us to, I want us to go to that behold and, and look a bit closer. Pay attention. Lean in a bit further. Call attention to something that requires action to be taken. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? This word now, it's, it's over, you see it over and over again in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And the Bible has this way of, of speaking about things that are of great distance as if they were right now. And, and that's what it's felt like for me as I've read through Isaiah 43. 
There's other times where the where although that it's almost like this this tension of the kingdom now and not yet. The Bible is this way of speaking about the now and that is feels like such a great distance away as if it is as if it were right now. And so we see this is what he wants. This is what he's speaking. This is what God wants. He wants you to see the new thing. He wants you to perceive. He wants you to, to understand what it is that he's doing. He wants to invite you in on this new thing. Before I spend a bit of time looking at these two or three verses around 18 and 19, I want us to, to acknowledge this is what he wants. But sometimes we are, we, are, we are like the children of Israel. My fear is, as I read on through that, because sometimes we, we take the, the two verses, we take that, behold, I do a new thing, do you not perceive it? And we form something around just that. But this week, as I read on through the rest of that chapter, I'm, I'm realizing almost with a sense of fear, could the same thing be said about us that was said about these guys? Listen, people, I'm doing a new thing. Now it's springing up. Do you see it? As the verse goes on, we see that they didn't pay attention. To paraphrase something of what I've already read, God is saying to these people, they they didn't pay attention. They didn't even do the bare minimum. And it goes on, it goes on even further. It says, I, I didn't even make it hard. It's not like I made it hard for them. They didn't pay attention. They didn't even do the minimum. And I, and I wasn't trying to make it hard for them. He says that. I've not burdened you with offerings. I haven't wearied you with demands for, in, for, for incense. And we see Jesus, I think, picking up something of this, this the nature of God that we see Revealed in Isaiah 43 verse 23 in Matthew chapter 11. When Jesus is trying to say, listen, I haven't made this hard for you. My yoke, my way, my teaching, it's, it's easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come. Those who are weary, that are weighed down with the weight of everything that's going on. Come. Shouldn't be this hard. I haven't made it this hard. My yoke is easy. My burden is light, so come. You think we see something of the nature of God here? Come, I'm inviting you into something. I'm inviting you to come and see. Come a bit closer. There's a new thing that I want you to be a part of, that I want you to understand. It's springing forth. There's new life. Can you see it? I want you to see it. But you won't pay attention. You won't do the bare minimum. I haven't made it hard for you. He goes on to say, I've got rid of your sins. I've blotted them out. I'm not even going to remember them anymore. If that's what you're worried about, don't. I've dealt with your transgressions. I've dealt with your sins. I'm not even going to remember them anymore. Is that what it is? He goes on even further. The graciousness of our God, the mercy of the Father, goes on even further to say, if you still don't get it, let's argue it out. He gives us permission to wrestle through where we're at. Wrestle through why we, why we struggle to give him our attention. Why we struggle to give him the bare minimum. Why we struggle to believe him when he says as far as the east is from the west, that's how far they're removed. Don't remember them. 
They're gone. If you still don't get it, let's wrestle this out. Don't be passive. Don't be indifferent. If you're still not there, let's wrestle this thing out. Let's, let's argue the matter together. Like God says that. Father says that. He says it to us today, I believe. He gives us permission just to wrestle through the things that we, that we struggle with. The areas that we find it hard to give Him our full attention. The areas that we find it hard when it comes to singing this song, I surrender all. Something in us like is I can't. There's bits that I can't. Bits that I really f- struggle to give him. And whatever you're, wherever you're at on this journey, whether you are ready to behold and see the new thing, whether you are at the place where you struggle to give him your attention, whether you're at the place where you, you, you can't even do the bare minimum, whether you're at the place where you don't believe that your sins are set free, argue the matter together. Don't be passive. Wherever you're at this morning, wherever you find yourself this morning, please hear this. Don't be passive. Don't be indifferent. Don't be idle. God, the Father to his people in such grace and such mercy is saying, I don't want you stuck in your old ways. I don't want you stuck in your old ways of thinking. I don't want you stuck in your old ways of doing. I don't want you to have to be stuck in the way that it has always been. See this new thing. See the new. I've said it, I've said it a few times before. I love it in, in John chapter 5. Around 16, 17, it says that the Jesus speaking about the Father. He's always working. He's always creating. He's always forming. Father is never, he's never inactive. Always at work. And Jesus says, and that's why I'm always at work. Never passive. Always active. He's always creating. He's always making things new. It's who he is. It's his very nature. Let me go let me go through a few of these verses. Verse sixteen, this is this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. You know what I love about that? It was I was just reading it this morning again. I love what Isaiah does. He says, right, this is what the Lord says. But before he tells us what the Lord says, he wants us to remind us the sort of God that we serve, the sort of God that we have, the sort of things that our God does. And so he says, this is what he says. And as if he's reminding the readers, he's reminding God's people, just before I tell you what he says, remember what he did. Remember this Lord. Remember him. He made a way through the sea. He made a path through the mighty waters. Incredible, our God. He, he, he did something. He did something that was never done before. It's the sort of God that we serve. Nobody had ever seen anything like this before. And so Isaiah is reminding us, before you hear what he has to say, remember what he did. God's people were, were, had their backs against the wall, had nowhere to go, 
The armies were facing up against them and all they could see in front of them was the sea, the deep waters, the mighty waters. And God did something that was never done before. The backs were against the wall and he let them see something that nobody had ever seen before. That's, that's our God. So before I tell you what he says, remember the sort of things that he does. What he's become known for. Become known for doing things that nobody has ever seen done before. For letting people see things that nobody had ever seen before. This is what he says. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. He's reminding us that he's he's always working. He's always creating. He's always up to something new. I almost feel like I'm contradicting myself because here Isaiah goes on to say, forget everything that's gone before. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past because I'm doing a new thing. It's almost like he's saying, as glorious as that deliverance was, don't stay there. And I think we talk a lot in the church, a lot of sermons, I think, about around, around failures and the struggles that we have with failing, the difficulties that arise when, when we fail or people around us fail. And we hear a good sermon saying, like, don't dwell there. Move on from there. Don't dwell in the past and, and all the good stuff that goes around that. But I think it's, it's worthwhile to say as well that, don't, that we shouldn't camp around our successes. We, we don't want to dwell on our failures, but we also equally don't want to camp around our successes. Based on what God's saying, he's saying all of that's been good. All of that was incredible, but don't, you don't have to even stay there. Even the stuff that's good, as incredible as all of that was, I'm still saying to you, forget about that because I want you to see the next thing. I want you to bring you on in the next part of the journey. I want you to take you into a deeper level of intimacy. I want to take you into a further realm of my character, my nature. But he wants to take us deeper and further He doesn't want us to stay around the past where it's been bad. He doesn't want us to stay around the past even when it's been good. He wants us to be active alongside him. Come and see. Come and pay attention to this new thing. You need to see this. Do you not perceive it? Eugene Peterson in the in the message version uh, when it comes to verse 19 around this language of do you not perceive it he is saying be alert be present again for me I think one of the one of the greatest joys for me as I've begun to tackle uh, fasting one of the greatest joys has been an increased sensitivity is just at times just feeling present. In the moment, just feeling present. During the day, feeling present. Feeling alert. 
feeling like at times that I've got my head on swivel, like I'm feel like I'm able to pick stuff up. I'm able to sense what's going on. I'm able to perceive moments better than at other times. I think fasting sharpens that. It fa- it sharpens that ability to perceive, that ability to be alert, that ability to be present. I think fasting is key to perceiving. I think it's key to becoming more sensitive. So I think what God is doing here, and I think what he continues to do now, is that he is calling people out from the old and into the new. I think that what's going on here and what we can say for today is that he is calling things that were not as though they were. And I think we see here and what we can also apply for today is that we would see and respond to his hand of preparation. See, he's wanting us to see what he's, he's making. He's making a way in the desert. He's making streams in the wasteland. He's, he's wanting us to see that. He's wanting us to, to see and to respond to his hand of preparation. So he's calling us, for all of us in this room, he's calling us, calling his people out from the old into the new. He's calling us to, to see things as if they were though they are not. And he's calling us to see and to respond to his hand of preparation and to his hand of purpose. So he's making a way in the desert and he's making streams in the wasteland so that he could give to his people to drink. The people that he formed for himself so that they may proclaim his praise. I think there's something important about us seeing and responding to his hand of preparation and his hand of purpose. Verse, that was verse 20 and 21. The purpose to give drink to people formed for himself that they may proclaim his praise. And if we were to go, if we were to spend some time looking into the, into, into the life of Jesus this morning, we would see that Jesus was doing the same thing that the Father was doing. Jesus, in, especially in the Gospel of John, we see Jesus carving away. And there's two times especially that we see him carving away to lead people to streams of water. He did it for the woman at the well in, in John chapter 4. He carved away. Jesus had to get to this woman. He carved away physically, but he was carving away spiritually. He was carving away for this woman so that she could get this water. She could get the stream, this stream of life. This water that Jesus said would be a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Incredible. Jesus is incredible. Carves away. Carves away to lead you, to lead people to streams of water. Streams of life-giving water. Springs of water that will well up to eternal life. See, we are reminded again in John chapter 7, around verse 37, 38, 39, Jesus, again, we are reminded that he has carved out this way. 
He has carved out a road and he says, come. Come, all who are thirsty. All who are thirsty, come and, and, and taste of this water. Experience something of it and then from you will flow streams of living water. See this. Behold this. Get to where he has carved away. Get to where he has carved away for you to receive this life-giving water, these streams of living water. You need to behold this. You need to perceive. You need to be alert. You need to be present to what he is doing. And let me also say, you need to be present to where he is carving out this road. Where, he, where is he carving out this way in the desert? Where is he carving out this way in the wasteland? I love it about the Father. I love it about seeing it again in his son Jesus in the gospel that he always is providing something. He's providing something where it would not naturally be found. And so we see, he's, he's telling us he's going he's to make streams in the wasteland. He's going to provide water in the desert and he's going to provide streams in the wasteland. That's what the Father does and that's what he, he doesn't want us to miss that. He wants us to see this. He wants us to perceive this because there's places that, there's places even in our county, Jesus knew all about this because they're said of him, can anything good come from Nazareth? And said maybe about some of the places where you live. It said about some of the places in our county, can anything good come out of fill in the blank? There's times where that grieves me more than a lot of things grieve me. But here the Father is saying, forget almost about what everybody else says that life can't be found. Because me, Father. He says, I, I'll, I'm going to carve away. I'm going to bring life to a place where it would not naturally be found. People will think it wouldn't. These streams of life, this living water could not naturally be found with, with a woman who's under a fifth husband that has to sneak out to get water. The disciples came and were a bit confused. Jesus, what are you doing talking to a Samaritan woman with the reputation that he, she has? See, Jesus had, the, Jesus had this reputation of being someone who would bring life, life-giving water to where people would say that it would never be found. It would naturally have been found with that woman. It would naturally have been found with the woman caught in adultery. It wouldn't have naturally been found with so many of the people that Jesus encounters throughout the scriptures. Lady of the night who comes and just washes his feet with her tears, worships him. It wouldn't have naturally, living water, life, eternal life would not have naturally be found there. But God is telling us to look, look closer, pay attention, see what I'm doing, see where I'm carving out a road, see where I'm making a way possible where it would never have been possible. See what I'm doing that it's never been done before. See what I'm doing that people have never seen happen before. See, he seems to be reminding his people over and over again of, of a similar principle right throughout Scripture. 
Because in Habakkuk, he has to, he has to remind his, he reminds the, his, his people that he's going to do something new. I'm going to do something in Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. I'm going to do something that if somebody had told you about it, you would never have believed it. But this is how it's going to happen. This is what I'm going to do. And we see Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5 picked up again in, in the words of Paul in Acts chapter 13, verse 41. And, and Paul is using the same language from Habakkuk to say, listen guys, take care. Take care that what the prophets said about the people back then will not be said of you. And so in Acts 13, verse 41, Paul quotes Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5 and says, guys, don't let this happen to you. God's going to do something new. He's going to do something in a way that would not have been expected, that nobody would have seen coming. But it's him. And don't miss it. Don't miss it. That's what Paul's warning the people. Don't miss what the Father is doing. Don't miss out. Don't make the mistake of missing out what he's doing. Don't make the mistake of missing out on it because it didn't fit your, your, into your box. It didn't fit into your way of thinking. And we see it again in Acts chapter 10. We see that the Father wanted to do a new thing. And Paul, Peter is, is lying up in his room, in the rooftop, and he, he's really hungry. Maybe he's been fasting. And he's hungry and he wants, to, he wants something to eat. And while the food's being pre- pre- prepared, he falls into a trance. And then this sheet comes down from heaven. His sheet comes down from heaven. There's all these different animals, these four-legged animals on this sheet. And Peter's looking at it. And he hears this voice saying, Peter, get up, kill and eat. And, uh, and Peter says, no. He realizes it's the Lord, by the way. He says, surely not, Lord. No. He recognizes it's the Lord. And three more times it happens. The sheet comes down. Peter, like you need to, I want, be, behold, I'm doing a new thing, Peter. I'm about to do something new and I don't want you to miss it. I don't want your, I don't want your box type thinking to get in the way of what I want to do and how I want to use you as part of this new thing, to bring streams of life to the Gentiles, that they would see and experience something. Nobody else would have seen it coming. Nobody realized that God was going to come in such a way to the Gentile people. And so he comes to Peter and is longing for Peter to get it. Peter, I'm about to do something new. I want you to, I want you to get rid of all that old way of thinking. Don't dwell on the former things. Get away from the old traditions, the old rules, because I'm doing a new thing. Can you not see it? Be alert, be present, see what I'm doing, see where I'm carving out a road here, Peter. Three or four times, Peter is, Lord, I know it's you, but no. And over again, tradition, it still happens today, tradition trumps the commands of the Lord. Tradition trumps obedience to the voice and the word of God. Father was drawn his attention to something, to the new thing. And time after time, you'll see it in the, in the gospel writers. You'll see it in, in fact, probably Mark 7 is the best place to go. And in Mark 7, we see 
Jesus, as he often did, having this confrontation with the Pharisees. Because the Pharisees just missed. They missed that the coming of the kingdom was in the, is in the person of Jesus. They missed the new thing. It was, and it was Jesus. They missed it. They didn't behold. They didn't stop to pay attention. They didn't look. They weren't alert. They didn't perceive and they missed it. And time after time we see that in the Gospels. And Jesus says to them, let me just read verse, let me read verse 8 to 13. You have let go, Mark chapter 7 verse 8 to 13. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. He said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. And then further down, just come down to verse 13 for time. It says, Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have then handed down, and you do many things like that. And so here we see in these encounters that Jesus had with the Pharisees, we see rules and traditions of man that kept being passed down that didn't allow for God to do a new thing. They were always going to miss it. And it's still, it's still in some cases the same today. There are still rules and traditions that will just not allow for God to do a new thing. He is longing for a people that will behold it, that will perceive it, that will be alert, that will be present to it. And he's made it possible that we could pay, if we would just pay attention, if we would, if we would just do what he's asked us to do, and it's not hard. He's made, he hasn't made it difficult. He's sorted out your greatest problem, sin. He's blotted it out. He remembered it no more. He's inviting us to be a part of his new thing. He, he has been longing for that from, the, from Genesis chapter 1. For those that started their Bible reading plan at the start of the year, that was the Father's longing from the start. That he, would, that he would just invite people that he had set his affection on, he had set his favor on, that they would walk with him, that they would experience him, that they that they would be ones that he would invite into the new thing that he wants to do, the new ways that he wants to carve out. And so in for many ways, it feels like he would, would, would stir that in us again. We wouldn't dwell in the past, and, and I, I'm so aware, and for the sake of time, I don't want to be flippant. It's so easy to say, don't worry about the past. Forget about it and move on to the new thing. And maybe if, if that's where you're at, I don't want to be flippant about that. And I'd love to, to, to stand with you and talk with you and pray with you. But I just want to pick up what the Word says. He's asking us. He's inviting us. He's encouraging us. Don't dwell there. Don't stay there. Don't camp around the things of old. Don't camp necessarily around the things that have been handed down to you that were just rules taught by men. Be alert and be present. Because now it springs forth. Be present and be alert because it's going to bring life. 
life is going to spring forth. It's going to bring life and it might even be in a place where it wouldn't naturally be found. And if we are not alert, if we're not beholding him, if we're not paying attention, drawing closer, leaning in for the sake of experiencing something, we might miss because we're looking for it in the wrong places. I think what Isaiah shows is it's going to be in places that it would not naturally have been found. I'll finish with this. Matthew chapter 9. We went here last week, Matthew chapter 9, when we talked about this assumption that, that those of us in the present church age would fast. Because John's disciples asked, we're, ask, was at, we're, asking, we're asking, why is it that, that we are fasting and your disciples do not fast, Jesus? And Jesus simply says, because I'm with them. And while I'm with them, it's, we're in celebratory mode. But then I'm going to go. And whenever I'm gone, that's the time where they're going to, where they're going to fast. There's that assumption. But then it goes on in verse 16. And says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. Neither do men pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst and the wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. And I know there's, a, there's probably a full sermon to go into that. Don't panic. I'm not going to uh, give one. But I just felt as I, as I was, went back over Matthew chapter 9 this week as I was thinking about fasting and thinking about what we were talking about today. I just felt like in such a gentle way that the Father was saying he doesn't want to waste new wine. It was awful. The, 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 this new wine was being poured out and it ended, up being, it ended up running out all over the place because they were trying to hold it in the old ways. They were trying to hold it in the old containers. And I just felt like it was just another reminder of this, of this challenge from Isaiah 43. Like there's some really good rules and traditions, don't get me wrong. Some beautiful ones that, that point us to Jesus, that cause us to, to love him more and, and behold him better. There's some that are not. And the problem is that, that I believe with all my heart in, in our land and across the nations that he is doing a new thing and he's pouring out new wine. And I really believe that as I, as I was praying last night, I just felt like that was just that word. Just he doesn't want to waste new wine. Pouring out new wine and he wants to find people that will behold. That will be alert, that will be present that will see where he's carving out a road, carving out a way, see what the Father is doing. And position ourselves with this, with these new wineskins for this new thing that he wants to pour out. He doesn't want to waste new wine and so he's preparing us. He's inviting us to see and to respond to where he is preparing and to where his hand, his purpose can be found. And uh, 
And so I, f- I finish with that. And Father, I pray.